0: Welcome to episode seven of the Random Thoughts podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts. If you're looking us up, randomthoughts.com, you can find us where fine podcasts are distributed online for your Apple devices, Android devices, and everything in between. I'm your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we're talking about nostalgia. What is nostalgia? Well, we live in the age of Google, so I typed it into Google, and the definition that I was given on my little device is this. Nostalgia, a sentimental longing or wistful affection for the past, typically for a period or place with happy personal associations. So it makes sense. You remember a time in your life where things were simpler, things were better, and the things that were around you at that time it's like a good comfort food for the soul, right? So whatever you were doing at that time in your life, you want to go back. A lot of people like to relive the glory days of high school. So you go back to the music and the movies and what you were reading when you were in high school, and you're putting a little extra emphasis on those in your soul. You're feeling these things a little bit more than you would on the things that happened or that you viewed, or you listened to at other times in your life, and it makes a lot of sense. One of the things that I want, originally I was thinking to do an episode just on vinyl LPs, because they're, one, coming back now, and two, one of the big news stories, which I'm not really sure why it was a news story at all at this point, was that Best Buy is no longer carrying CDs in their stores, but the story mentioned that they were carrying vinyl. And I thought that was interesting. So I decided to tweet Best Buy and be like, hey, what's your vinyl selection like? I mean, is it really, should I, I wanted to know, should I be checking in? You know, is this something that, uh, you know, Barnes and Noble, the last time I was in one of those stores, I believe they still exist, had a pretty decent vinyl selection. Went into Best Buy, long story short, was a little disappointed in the selection. I mean, there was maybe... 50 to 75, maybe different albums that they had, which isn't bad, but yeah, I've got more myself. And so I'm not really going to find something there that I want. No big deal. There's plenty of places to buy them online. What this episode's about, though, is what is it about vinyl LPs? Is it the nostalgia of them that is bringing people back to them at this point? And I think yes and no. It depends who is listening to the vinyl LPs, right? Because The millennials, the high school kids now or younger, whatever age people are buying albums and getting into it again, and a younger audience is, well, they're not nostalgia for the format. They may be curious about the format. They may wonder why that the music that has always just existed in their phones or been able to stream from anywhere in the world You now actually have to go get a physical platter and put it onto another machine and take an arm and put it down and then sit down and listen to it. And in about 22 minutes, you have to go turn that off or turn it over if you want to listen to the other side. So they're not nostalgia about it. But for me, I'm nostalgic for vinyl because that's where I started. The first album I ever bought was 10 years old, nineteen eighty still remember it very clearly was saving up the allowance money and went out bought a copy of billy joel's glass houses still one of my favorite albums to this day and i'm sure one of the reasons is because that was the first thing i ever spent my money on i went out laid down my 9.99 or 8.99 or 7.99 whatever it was at the time which seems cheap compared to what you pay for music now or to stream music now but I digress. That was the first thing that I actually laid my money down and paid for Billy Joel's glass houses. You took it home. You got it out of the vinyl, which got it out of the plastic, which was a lot easier than unwrapping CDs. CDs always sucked. If you had to do that as many times as I did, you understand the frustration in trying to open a CD. There was none of that frustration opening up vinyl records. You cut the plastic you slid the record and the inner paper or the inner plastic uh, sleeve out. You took the vinyl out and there was that smell. There was that feel. There was that static electricity that vibrated through the air and instantly grabbed any dust that was in the room. And you looked at it and it was a thing of beauty. And back in my day, we're going to go the old guy route, but back in my day, vinyl was black. There was none of the cool colored vinyl except for some very, very select Promotional stuff and select bootleg releases. Of course, where mainly where you found? I had Eric Clapton on white on white vinyls, and that was a promo issue. I had a Springsteen bootleg that was on clear vinyl, but ninety nine point whatever percent of the stuff was on normal, plain, boring black vinyl. Elvis Moody Blue was on blue vinyl. That was the one I remember. But there was colored vinyl was not really a thing, which like it is now but that was probably just cuz it was cheaper to make the black vinyl and it just it's just plain old work but you took that vinyl out you looked at it it had that feel it had that smell you put it down on the machine you started it up you put that needle down and you were you sat there and you were engaged with the music it's a completely different concept now when you can just start your music in and when you get into the office or you wake up in the morning you can start your music Let it play all day, whether you're paying any attention to it or not. And it's just going to keep playing. It's never going to stop. Vinyl LPs, 22, 23 minutes or so per side. When that vinyl was over, you had to be there to then pick it up, turn it over. And it led to being engaged with your music. You wouldn't be going far from the turntable. And you didn't have a whole lot of time for whatever you were doing while you were listening to the music you had that timer. I mean, you had that 22, 23 minutes, and then you had to go back. You had to go back to that. So CDs changed that being that you can now fit 80 minutes or so on a disc. You didn't have to flip it over cassettes. You could fit a couple of hours. You know, I mean, it was, it was a completely different thing with vinyl. It was very limiting, which is one of the reasons why CDs came out and vinyl records almost completely died And 10 years ago or so, you couldn't have given away your vinyl records, which you could probably now make a mint on a lot of the old rock and roll stuff because people are buying it again. And a big part of that is the nostalgia for that because it was a different musical thing. You got involved. You were involved with the artwork. It was big. It was 12 inches by 12 inches approximately, which compared to the CD covers, which were next to nothing. And then compared to digital now, which is literally nothing, or you're looking at it on a little screen. And, you know, a lot of these big, super deluxe things that are being released now, they'll release PDFs of artwork and all of that. But to me, it's still not the same when you're looking at it on a screen rather than taking something out, having a physical book to hold, having that physical album to hold. And you had to be somewhat careful with it because you could scratch your albums. That was the other weird thing about albums, I guess, that people don't understand the younger generation now. Albums wore out. I mean they were basically made to wear out because every time you play a record, you're taking a needle and you're scratching it across the surface and If you have a really good turntable and you have it set up correctly and you have a a nice light needle, which is what you're supposed to have in a lot of these, but the cheaper turntables are so heavy that Which just drives me nuts from a vinyl collector standpoint. That a lot of these cheaper turntables, which are supposed to get people into vinyl, are set up so poorly, and the tone arms weigh so much that you're basically just digging that that needle, which is what a turn what a stylus is, into that vinyl every time you play it. You're doing damage. Now, if you have a good turntable and it's set up right, you can play an album a lot before you're going to wear it out. Crappy turntable, you can wear it out really quick. But either way. We're dealing with a medium, unlike digital, where you could play it over and over and over again. You only get a certain amount of play. So why do people want to go back to that? It's an interesting thing. I mean, some people will swear that vinyl sounds better. And I'm not one of those guys. I love the sound of vinyl. I think it's really cool being able to put the record down on the turntable, watch the whole mechanical process work, and it, it produces a really, really good sound. Some albums have better pressings on vinyl than others, and some have never sounded, especially some of the older stuff, have never sounded great on the digital format. So the vinyl is one of the things that is really sought after. And there's a guy out there, I forget his name, you can look him up on Google. There's a guy who is so good with the grading and cleaning of vinyl that people will pay hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars for graded copies that he is selling because he's basically the guy, you know, if you have a baseball card, you send it off to somebody and they grade it and tell you how good it is, you know, on a scale from one to 10. Well, he's that guy for albums and he can tell the difference between an album because an album, it's again, it's a physical thing. When an album is made, there is actually a metal plate that is molded that the vinyl then goes into and it's stamped together and that process makes the record. That's what puts the grooves into the record. Well, this guy, his eye is so good, the machinery he has, whatever it is, he's looking at the stuff. He can tell the difference between one of the first, you know, 20 albums that were pressed with that new plate and the ones that were more around a thousand, which for most periods, I believe you get about a thousand. Sometimes they would press 2000 or so, and you could really start telling the quality difference diving down as you got to the end of one of those runs so it's a really weird thing too when you're talking about buying music because every album is not exactly the same people think hey well i'm gonna buy there's two you know two copies of pink floyd the wall sitting there in front of me on the record store shelf they're both going to be exactly the same you think because that would be the case if you were to be talking about a cd or a cassette more or less Vinyl, not necessarily so. One could have been pressed really early in a run. One could have been pressed really late. One could sound spectacularly well. And one may sound eh, just pretty good. So it's interesting. Why do people want to put up with that? And I think a lot of that is the nostalgia of it being that for me growing up with vinyl, that's where I first listened to Elvis Presley. That's where I first listened to the Beatles. That's where I first heard Sinatra, Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard—these were all things, you know, in my musical being, in my mind, in my soul—that's related to vinyl. You know, that's the origin story. There we go back to vinyl. So it's an interesting thing to me, being that I'm the computer guy and I love digital music because I love the convenience of being able to stream whatever I want throughout the house or stream whatever I want when I'm out in the car. But if you have time. The preferred way to listen to music for me is to sit down, grab the album, go through the ritual, right? A lot of things we do in life are based upon upon rituals. And for me, taking an album out of, you know, off the shelf, pulling it out of the album itself, taking the album out of the sleeve. Putting it down, wiping it off with the microfiber cloth, doing a couple rounds with an anti-static brush, getting it all ready. If there's any dust or dirt on it, you could use a little. Uh, there's a little device like a lint roller. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it, but uh, you can look that up. It's a uh, it's a record cleaner, and it's for you know small amounts of dirt and that on there. But there's there's a ritual that goes with the vinyl. It's not just flip your iPod on. It's not just flip your phone on and press play there are things surrounding what you're doing. And that is the the ritual is part of the nostalgia because that's what made music more of a special thing back then. I mean, I also go back to a point to where there were no DVDs or Blu-rays. And if we wanted to see something, you had to watch it when it was on TV. It wasn't until I was like seven years old that we, my parents got a Betamax As part of a sales promotion, my dad was a salesman, and that was one of the things he got was a Betamax, and it was revolutionary that you could record what was on TV and watch it back later in crappy quality because the tapes were never as good. And if you remember ever having a VHS or Betamax, the tape quality was never up to what the broadcast standard was. It's not like today where you can create and save perfect high def video on a disk. It just it just certainly didn't exist. But we hearkened back to that nostalgia of the way things happened then, whether they were better or not. I mean, I guess I don't have any nostalgia for the VHS tape or beta, which is but I do have a nostalgia for the vinyl and why that is um, probably, I guess, because vinyl was much better sounding than VHS tapes were to the actual uh, to the video experience. But it's interesting to see. I mean, we can look at books. And this is another case where ebooks came out, Amazon start killing it, they start selling their Kindle devices, people realized how much easier it was rather than owning, you know, a hundred books or a thousand books, which take up a lot of space. Books take up literally almost zero space when it comes to the amount of data that needs to be stored, unlike movies and that which start taking up, you know, quite a bit. Books, you can fit almost an unlimited amount of books on today's normal hard drives. So you're not taking up that much space, but people are now going back to the printed books. And it's an interesting thing to me, too. They want that feel of the book. They want to not feel like they're just holding an electronic device because we're getting tired, I think, of all day staring at a screen, no matter which screen that is. And I do believe an ebook screen is a little bit different than our phone or tablet, or our laptop, or the computer monitor that we have to sit at at our desk while we're working all day long. But it's a screen nonetheless. I think people are liking the whole concept of books again, just like they are enjoying vinyl again. It's it's that something that is actually making a connection between now and a past time. And it'll be interesting to see as we go, because sooner or later, all of us that were around or vinyl the first time we will all be dead. And we'll see if people are still into vinyl that didn't experience it as their, as their original means of listening to music. And we'll see if this novelty of it wears off or not. It'll be interesting to see because music sales are going down, down, down. And that's mainly because the music industry, I think are a bunch of idiots who have moved to all these streaming services. They've gotten totally away from selling individual items to a consumer. And that's great on some levels. You figure it's kind of a buffet. You have access to so many things. But say you're a big Frank Sinatra fan or you're a big Taylor Swift fan. or You're a big buddy guy fan, whatever it may be. And you're happily going about your business and you're listening to their music, which is on whatever streaming service you're currently using, whether, you know, it doesn't matter which one. Well, any of those can have their music pulled at any time from any of their those services, which means a service that you're really happy with today because you're a big Taylor Swift fan and her whole catalog is available on Service X. Tomorrow, all those songs could be gone and Service X is really going to suck. Having the music in your own library is one way to make sure that never happens. So I've got my own streaming service. I buy the music, I get copies, they're mine, they're on my hard drive, and I can stream them wherever I want, whenever they want, and they can never go away. So I've always been in that old school, which is I like to own music. But nostalgia is interesting because nostalgia for me is also reading comic books as a kid, which is something I've been getting more into and was really into Uh, Before I lost the vision in one eye, which it's made it a little bit harder, but it's, you know, it's, it's getting used to that. So I'm not going to give you a woe is me or anything with that. The comic book, the nostalgia, it's coming back and the fact that comic books, which when I were, was a kid, comic books were nothing. I mean, nobody, it wasn't cool to read any kind of comic books. And now every major motion picture that's making a billion dollars seems to be based upon a comic book. And I think that's partially due to nostalgia. Parents love it. Kids, they can bring their kids and they can, you know, enjoy these characters. If you grew up reading Spider-Man in the comic book form, you're probably going to like them in the movie form. Maybe you'll like some more than others. Think about Batman. I mean, hey, some people love certain Batmans, hate certain Batmans. Maybe that's going to draw a line between who your friends are. And it does for some people. But it's an interesting thing to see that, because styles change, but there are still bands around. I love the Frank Sinatra, I love the music that he made, I like the big band stuff, and I like swing music and all that, which was way before my time. But there are still bands now, like Big Bad, Voodoo Daddy, uh, Squirrel Nut Zippers, and, and all these other bands that are doing music like that. So it it's it's nostalgic in one way, but it's also new, which I think is a way that a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of the entertainment that we're we're watching now, that we're consuming, you know, if you want to do it really well, mix in a little bit of that nostalgia. And it's something that I've been watching a bunch of old television shows. And it really, at the time, it didn't really occur to me that it was a, a nostalgic look back. It was just, you know, Frasier was a really good show, and a lot of the stuff that's on now is total crap. So I went back and watched Frasier again. I've gone back and watched the entirety of MASH again, because the interesting thing was when I was a kid, when I was first consuming shows like *Mash*, it was on in reruns. As everybody knows, if you live in the United States, you could turn on a TV station, pretty much any channel that ran reruns. You would have probably found *Mash* two, three, four times a day in an area, you know, like Chicago, or wherever, wherever you were. Pretty much, I think, was kind of the same. So I would see episodes of Mash now and then. You would just watch them when they were on. You didn't have this this concept of binging now, which is something new that we started with. Uh, you know, Netflix really pushes it, but for me, it started when DVDs started coming out of the whole series of a show. And for me, it started with the show Twenty Four with Kiefer Sutherland, which is really one of the best shows I think ever made that took that concept of a 24-hour day and made it into one long storyline. Well, when 24 came out, the concept of binging did not exist. There was just one episode every week, like you did for your normal television show, but then they released the DVDs of it. I remember my wife and I making the conscious decision to not watch 24, and to not talk to anybody about 24, and to avoid all news about the show 24 until the end of the season, where we had either DVR'd the whole season and would have been binging it, or got the DVDs and binged the whole series. So I think I was early on the binging game. But now I'm being nostalgic with other shows it's really, it's, it's just kind of cool to me to be able to go back now and do that with MASH, something that nobody ever considered when the show was being made, that some idiot like me was going to be able to get the whole series and be able to watch it from beginning to end in a couple of weeks' time. And it's really interesting in a lot of these old television shows if you do that, because you're going to find out that there's a lot of inconsistencies, or you're going to find out that there's a lot of guest actors or actresses that played vastly different characters on the same show, and nobody would have ever noticed it, because you would normally have been seeing these shows six months apart, a year apart, two years apart, but when you're binge-watching, you get to see all kinds of other interesting things, but I digress. But it's interesting to me to go back to those shows like MASH, because I remember being a kid, I remember seeing those shows, and it takes you back. Music, I think, is one of the biggest things that harkens to nostalgia. You'll hear a song on the radio, and you remember, wow, these are the first time I heard that song. Maybe that was, you know, the first time you kissed a girl, or the first time you went to a school dance. You know, the song brings you back. This was the first time you had ever gotten in the first car you bought and you start driving down the road and you turned on the radio and there was Aerosmith or there was the Beatles or there was whoever. Every time that you hear that song, it's like that instant time warp. It brings you back to that same time and place. And the brain's a strange thing because it remembers things even though you haven't actively thought about them for years and years and years. And that's why you get that sense of a deja vu. Or it's always, it always blows my mind when I can hear a song after not hearing it for 10 years or 20 years or maybe 30 years now because I'm getting old. But you haven't heard a song in that many years, but you remember it. You remember the lyrics. Everything just kind of comes back to you. And it's like playing something in your, it's like those experiences being played back for you. And it's really a really bizarre thing. Nostalgia now. Vintage clothing is a big big deal. It's like, why? Why do people want to buy the styles from the 50s or 60s or even earlier than that? Why are they cool again? Why what do people get out of those, you know, the old bowling shirts? Well, you could ask Charlie Sheen, I guess. He kind of brought those back into vogue until he became, you know, Charlie Sheen. But it's interesting to me different styles. Why do we go back in the past? Why do we look in the past? I have a good friend. We've talked about this. Quite a bit, which is the people that I think if we're talking about music wrapping this into this, Bruce Springsteen's song Glory Days is kind of the epitome of all of this. People that live in high school, right? This is where they peak. These are still the stories that they're telling. They're kind of this is where their glory days are. They want to keep telling stories about what happened in high school and what happened in college. And it's great when you get together with these people every now and then, and you want to reminisce and you want to talk about what happened in high school or college. And this is fun to do every now and then. But if you see these same people over and over again, and these are still the same stories they always want to tell. It's like they're stuck in a time warp and can't break themselves out of it. And you try to like tell them it's like, Hey, you know, you gotta, you gotta move on, man. You know, you got to break out of this. It's it's cool to be nostalgic. I mean, I love hearing the old stories about the crazy shit we did in high school, but at some point, you've covered them more than enough and you can move on and maybe start doing different crazy shit. Or maybe not as crazy because we're getting old and crazy in high school wouldn't mean you would get grounded. And now doing crazy shit means jail time. So, big difference. I understand it, which is maybe why it's safer for some people to live in the nostalgia part of their brain. But for me, it's an interesting thing because it really is a time warp. It is going back in time. It is being able to relive something, if even in a little sort of way. And again, that the definition of it, which was you have that wistful affection for a certain period that has happy personal associations. I'm guessing most people, if you associate the show MASH with something bad, somebody dying, something catastrophic happening in your life, you're probably not going to look back at the show with the same love and affection. It's an interesting thing, nostalgia. And it's not good and it's not bad. We all have our own nostalgic things that we go back to. For me, I remember listening to Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run album. The interesting thing to me was the beginning of the album had a flaw or it was a scratch or something where it made a sound at the beginning of the album when the music started that kind of gave you like a shh over the music. Every time I hear that song now, I hear that imperfection. It's a really weird thing. The things your brain holds on to even though I know it's not there, I hear it. And it's, it's a hearkening back. And you don't necessarily know why, you know, why does your brain hold on to something that insignificant, you would think, uh, as somebody, again, who's been having eye problems, almost, almost everybody out there has floaters in their eyes. And what the floaters are the little things that cause they're you know, the little black shadows, the little things that float around your field of vision. Uh, normally, There's people that have them who pay no attention to them because your brain is working overtime to make you not notice them. Your brain sees these things enough to where they're, even though they're always there, your brain's going, okay, I see that. Not important. Don't have to talk about it. I mean, one thing a lot of people, somebody pointed out this, I read this the other day. You can always, assuming you have vision, you can always. In your field of vision, see your nose. Did I just blow your mind? Did you finally go, oh, shit, I can. Because most people never understand that, you know, it's not like you're like, I'm looking at my nose, looking at my nose. No, but it's there. But your brain's filtering it out because your brain's going, shit, it's just your nose. You don't need, it's always there. I don't need to tell you about it unless something's different. Your brain doesn't care. Floaters, the same kind of a thing. When the floaters are in your vision, your brain's going, eh, don't worry about it. They're always there. Not a big deal. So, why the stupid little imperfection that was on that particular vinyl album that I first heard Born to Run or Thunder Road is the first song on the album? So, why is that imperfection on that album when I first heard Thunder Road? Probably the first hundred times I've heard Thunder Road. Why is that imperfection totally branded into my mind to where I cannot hear the song now without it? It's bizarre, but it's just the way it is. So, bringing this all the way around, nostalgia, it's okay to take a look back. I think it's okay, and really, uh, when it comes to things like music, I love bands that take old sounds and build upon them and make them new. I love old movies or old television shows that harken back or they give you the, you know, the Easter eggs and they're kind of shows like, um, the Goldbergs really works for me because I'm a kid of the eighties, right? You know, I grew up graduate high school for me was completely in the eighties. So the whole Goldbergs thing is that's nostalgia for me. This is nostalgia done, right? Which is a new, funny, well-written show, but it's taking place in the 80s. So it's instantly nostalgic, but it's also instantly new. And I love that. And I think more shows should do that, especially for the times that their audience grew up in. You know, I know we can still go back. We can do shows in the 20s and 30s, but we're getting diminishing returns with all of that. But it's interesting when you see styles coming back. You see, you know, whether it's clothing styles, movie styles, writing styles, comic books, all these things that were once old are now new but in a completely different way. Music is one of the weirdest things because what's new now is what was old. Vinyl is now the hot medium. Vinyl is outselling almost everything else. At least not completely outselling music, but vinyls sales are on the rise. All other music sales are going down. So it's, it's interesting. We don't want you to live in the past out there. But I will say, it's not good for anybody to live in the past, but it's okay every now and then to go visit it. But I hope you're enjoying what you're hearing on the Random Thoughts Podcast. If you are, the best thing you can do is subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. You can follow me on Twitter at at Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L. Be sure to follow, say hi, tell me how you're doing, because I do care. Believe it or not, a lot of people say these kind of things but I'd love to hear from you on Twitter. If you want to send us an email, you can do that too at darrenoneal at gmail.com. If there's anything you want us to talk about on the show, you have any comments, you have any criticisms, feel free to send them there. Until next week, go grab a vinyl record, put it on, and kick back and enjoy yourself. I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.